Not quite sure how to begin. This week, welcome to Hand of Pod. Welcome one and all to episode 395 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly. This week I'm joined by Andres. Hello, Sam. English Dan. Good evening. And Santi. Hello, guys. Welcome back, everybody. Um, You will probably have noticed if you're a regular listener that we've kind of settled into a fortnightly schedule uh, these days. That's not really deliberate. It has more to do with my um, work being much busier than it was before about April last year um, these days Uh, but it is sort of useful um, that we're just once again covering the Copa de la Liga or the Copa de la Superliga and not uh, anything that feels more meaningful because um, if it were league competition I might feel under a little bit more pressure to try and record every single day but of course what it does mean is that we've got two rounds of matches to catch you all up on again Uh, so I will go through the results now from round three which is nearly two weeks ago now. Um, Aldo Civi got a 3-0 win at home to Arsenal. Defensa Justicia beat Patronato 1-0. Argentinos had two men sent off and lost 2-0 at home to Vélez Sarsfield. Banfield and Colón had a man sent off each, and that match finished 3-0 to Colón in Banfield. Tacheres versus Newells ended 2-2 in Córdoba. Newells had a man sent off. Lots of red cards two weeks ago, weren't there? Independiente got a 1-0 home win over Gimnasia with 11 men on the pitch for both sides. San Lorenzo lost 4-0 at home to Central Córdoba. Uh, that was, if I remember rightly, very shortly after Santi and Tony had uh, both been pointing out how up and down San Lorenzo's form was. Um, so it felt quite fitting. Platense hosted River and lost 1-0 at home. Uh, Estudiantes versus Racing ended 0-0. Boca Juniors won, Sarmiento won in the Bombonera. Union got a 3-2 win at home to Lanús. Um, Atletico Tucumán versus Huracán. Atletico Tucumán had two men sent off, and the match was then um, rained off, if I remember correctly, uh, with about 15 minutes left. Oh, there was a floodlight failure, but it was also raining torrentially, so they didn't get going again after the floodlight failure. Uh, so that's going to be completed at a later date. It was 1-1, I think when it was cancelled. Um, and Rosario Central and Godoy Cruz drew 2-2 in Rosario. And then last weekend, Newell's uh, lost 2-1 at home to Independiente. Central Cordoba got a 1-1 draw at home to Banfield. Sarmiento got a 1-1 draw at home to Tacheres. Godoy Cruz beat Platense 3-1 in Mendoza. Colón beat Aldo Civi 2-1 in Santa Fe. Lanús beat Atlético Tucumán 2-1 in Lanús. San Lorenzo and Huracán in the Clásico drew 1-1 in Bajo Flores. Huracán had a man sent off. Arsenal lost again at home 5-0 to Estudiantes. Patronato 
lost 1-0 at home to Union. Gimnasia versus Defensa y Justicia ended 1-1. Vélez versus Boca Juniors ended 1-7. Yes, you heard that correctly. Racing uh, beat Rosario Central 1-0. And River lost 1-0 at home to Argentinos. Uh, since then, on... What's today? Today's Thursday, isn't it? On Wednesday uh, evening, um, the match that was uh, left over from the first round, Platense versus Sarmiento, uh, has also been played, and that was won all in Vicente López, where, where Platense play their, their home match. It's almost said Placente then, but that's a, a former left, left back, back rather than a current top flight club. Um Gents, there's quite a lot of results to, to go there. What, what do you think? Let's try and begin with some of the more memorable ones from round three. Otherwise, we'll forget them completely. Um, can anybody remember anything of it? I, I do remember watching San Lorenzo versus Central Cordoba and um, with apologies to our San Lorenzo listening fans, laughing quite a bit. Right, that was a long time ago. I think that was a match too when um, I read that Central Cordoba because like most of the teams in, in Primera, they've got a few money problems at the moment. Instead of going um, by plane to Buenos Aires for the match, they, they took the bus. Uh, it was about, a, I think it's about a 12-hour, 13-hour stint from Santiago del Estero up to, uh, down to Buenos Aires. I've done it a few times, you know, going back and forth from Tucumán and it's not particularly enjoyable, let alone if you're, uh, if you're thinking about playing a football match the next day. Uh, but they came to Buenos Aires, gave... San Lorenzo, uh, a good old stuffing. Uh, and then it came out, um, talking to, I think it was a journalist from up in Santiago. Uh, they got back on the bus, another 12, 14 hours home. Didn't have any food on the bus, but um, but the wife of the physio or the team doctor was waiting for them uh, in a lay-by just outside Santiago. And she'd, uh, she'd prepared pizza and empanadas, uh, which was very nice. And yeah, probably goes to show as well, just how bad San Lorenzo were when losing to a team with no plane and basically no food. That that reminds me a bit of the stories that we heard about Crucero del Norte towards the end. Indeed, of the I made the same point. Like season, season, where it was like, God, they're being, it sounds almost like they're being people trafficked or something. I mean, they essentially were because, I mean, I guess they could have taken a plane if they wanted to, but given that they were, um, they are owned by a bus company, they their hands were tied as it were. Hmm. But yes, um, Christ, that was a long time ago. Um, it was, just thinking it? of, I think of you know, if we're gonna, if I can look at trends rather than um, than kind of just specific results. Please, way to go, Cologne. Yeah, I was going to say. Going they've Jesus. won the first. The last time we recorded, they've won their first two matches. They've now won their first four, scoring yeah. ten and only letting in one. Um, so they have perhaps slightly unexpectedly, um, become the, the form team of the Copa so far. They're the only team in either group with a 100% record. Yeah, I was saying, you know, for this now cancelled international week that was supposed to come up, and I believe we're going to talk about it later, forget Messi, forget Aguero, Lautaro Martinez, just get Alexi Castro and, and Pulgar Rodriguez, stick them up front, and, and you saw it. Fuck Brazil, fuck Uruguay, they're going to they're gonna concede 7 each. Indeed, yeah. Sparkling form. And the CV2 have had a very good start um, under Gago. I think they've been a little bit unlucky with with results, but um, but they played very well against Racing in, 
I think that was the weekend before this double weekend we're, we're covering. I wasn't there. Had a very good result against Arsenal and I can't remember. Ah, they yeah they went down to Cologne and they were they were very unlucky in that match as well because it was a, a late penalty, of course, which which Pulgar converted. But I thought against Cologne in that defeat uh, against Racing and in their first match, which was Ah Godoy Cruz, they were they were kind of unlucky not to win them all. They're playing very nice football and uh, under young Gago who's gone as well right to the top of the league in in terms of the prettiest Argentine football coaches around. <laughs> yeah, it might just be a matter of time. If, if he gets them to click, um, then they could feel more relevant by the time the league begins in a few months' time, if, if they keep up their current level of improvement. Um, yeah, you have to see. I mean... The top flight for a while. Yeah, I mean, something similar I remember happened with... Um, Hernan Crespo in Banfield, do you remember, if you can remember that far back, mm. um, where he came on playing really nice football, results didn't quite go that way, and ultimately it wasn't much of a success, obviously. He then went on to far greater success with Defensive Corticia, but definitely from Gago's perspective, like the first signs we've seen of him as a coach uh, are very encouraging. Yeah, I think uh, in terms specifically of the, the Crespo uh, tenure at Banfield, they were coming off... Uh, the whole Falcioni era, and uh, they were just uh, shockingly ineffective in front of goal, as I remember them. So it was always a, the case of just a mismatch between uh, a coach and uh, his squad. So I think it was kind of destined to fail, that uh, relationship. At least Crepo really got a, a much, much better career ahead of him ever since that, uh, that stint, I think. At the other end of the spectrum, we should probably talk about Estudiantes as well. I mean, this is a club that went nine months without scoring. And now they've got the Bear Zielinski, the Russian bear. And, and they're taking the lead by storm. Beat River, just thrashed Arsenal 5-0. Uh, second in, in Group A or Zone 1 or whatever it's called uh, behind Cologne. And, you know, probably not playing quite as pretty football as, as we said, um, some, of the, as some of the clubs, but... It's looking effective and oh, just a bit of um, of trivia from that last game. It was the debut of a of the young Dejan, I think that's how it's uh, pronounced, Veron, Juan Sebastian Veron's uh, 20-year-old son and the third generation of Veron's to, to play for Estudiantes, of course. Yeah, some big well, boots. That's a yeah, and that's a match if you've ever seen one from uh, Sielinski just playing rough football for Estudiantes and just uh, being extremely dominant and winning again, isn't it? No nonsense, I think, is the, uh, is the accepted term. It's no nonsense football. It seems like it ought to be, you know, the medium to long term, potentially happy marriage between managerial style and club when you look at Estudiantes' uh, yeah. history and, and most... The most glorious moments have tended not to come when playing liquid football. No, with a generous well, dose of skullduggery in there. But well, we hear that the Estudiantes score more goals in this match against Arsenal than in, uh, I don't know. 2020, <laughs> probably. Yeah, because uh, when you watch the Estudiantes play at the Copa Maradona, uh, you, saw, you, you watch Leandro Diaz. Uh, uh, shooting anywhere but the goal, and now the, he scored two in, in, against Arsenal, and, and it looks much better uh, right now. Uh, and well, and, and it's incredible because Zielinski is, is usually uh, 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 
he's uh, like with that tag of being defensive uh, and now it's like a, another team really yeah they didn't score a goal in the first stage of um the first group stage of last year's Copa de la Liga. I can't remember what the second stage was in my the app on my phone isn't showing me the second group stage that they were in. It's only showing me the two winners groups. But um yeah. I, I think they might have scored more. Um then again against Arsenal it's sort of like shooting fish in a barrel at the moment. They they're not in a good way. No, indeed. Uh, Dan, I'm sure that a lot of listeners will be wondering what uh, whereabouts Dejan Veron plays on the pitch, uh, especially given that we've just been talking about how um, efficient Estudiantes style is. Is, is. is he an enforcer? Is he a centre-back? What's he doing? He's not. No, he's, he's similar to Veron when in his, uh, in his younger days, right midfield, uh, not, you know, not kind of a box-to-box player who's just going to tear out the wing, but very... Very decent right foot from the from the little I've seen of him. Um, uh, he said himself he's uh, he's much more similar to Veron father than than Veron grandfather. That was Veron's Veron's son's uh, self analysis. Yeah, and then, and another uh, neat piece of trivia I think it would be fair to to mention is that it's the first time um, an Estudiantes player has ever won the number eleven, which is of course. Just like number three in AC Milan, reserved only for the Verons. Since um, the last time Veron ever played for Estudiantes, which was in the 2017 Copa Libertadores when he was 42. <laughs> That's which the quality, is quality number spotting, Santi. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that one has passed me by. Um, moving on to the weekend just gone. I mean, the one result that really leaps out is Beles versus Boca, um, a match which caused uh, one of the old men of our um, WhatsApp group, Seba, to uh, question quite severely and, and uh, got a, um, an explainer from, from Tony, who, who of course isn't here recording with us today, um, about what expected goals were, because the expected goals count for this one on most of the models apparently was about point, 1.2 for Beles and 1.35 for Boca or something like that. Um, but the match ended, Vélez won, Boca 7. Um, Boca's efficiency in scoring the chances that they had was, you know, pretty much, I mean, it, just watching the match, it, it wasn't that far off um, what those expected goals figures suggest. That they, they did a very good job of scoring some chances that you might not normally have expected to be turned into goals. Um, Seven goals in eight shots on target, mm. I'm reading which is fairly uh, fairly decent. Yeah, there were some cracking goals in that game. Um, yeah, you had some from, I didn't from narrow angles. You had a, a brilliant free kick from Edwin Cardona to start it off, uh, rolling it under mm-hmm. the wall. Uh, I, I learned, by the way, I, I don't think I'd noticed it before. I'm sure that you lot have done. Um, but the at least the Argentine Spanish now for the this newish trend of people lying down just behind the wall to prevent people from doing that because they said there wasn't one there. There wasn't a cocodrilo, a crocodile, uh, lying down. <laughs> I quite liked that one. I don't know whether it's... Uh, that's good, that's good, yeah. Whether it's a set phrase or whether it's just the particular commentator who was commentating on that match. But I thought, that, that, that works quite nicely. I feel like it should be Jacare, though, to, like, to give it more of a... More of an Argentine More player, of a native yeah. twang, yeah. But I like it, yeah. I was thinking either log or crocodile. Um, either one I'd have, uh, I'd have accepted, but I guess... Tronco might have 
fairly negative connotations, if not entirely inaccurate connotations for for the players. Yeah, it's, often it's chosen to do this. If you if you don't uh, look out for them, you know. And to be honest, I would want to avoid those. Yes, indeed. Yeah, um, it leaves Boca as so far the top scorers in this Copa, perhaps unsurprisingly. They've scored 11 goals in four matches um, with, with Colón, as we've already mentioned, the, the second highest scorers in the other group. Um, and what else can we talk about from the weekend just gone? We've mentioned Estudiantes versus Arsenal already. Um, I suppose the other eye-catching result, perhaps, uh, is Rivers 1-0 defeat at home to Argentinos. This was apparently the first time they'd lost in the Monumental since November 2019, which obviously becomes... I mean, they didn't play there all year. No, exactly, yeah. Uh, that, that that run includes um, included four four wins and one draw, I think it was. There were five games unbeaten in the Monumental, but given that they've played most of their home games in the intervening period at Independiente, and given that there haven't actually been very many of those home games anyway... Um, it immediately starts to look a bit less like Argentinos have scaled some mighty mountain. Um, it is, of course, River's first defeat in the new look Monumental. Um, but... but it was the first defeat ever in the new ground. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought Argentinos did a, a pretty good job overall. It was, you know, boxing clever and, and perhaps aiming for the nil-nil draw, which they looked like getting for most of the match, before César Florentine let fly with an absolute golasso across the, the goal from the corner of the, the box and uh, beat um, beat Franco Aramani all ends up. Uh, Andres, as a River fan, what have you made of their start to the, the copper? Well, it, it looks like uh, River continues to be uh, two teams instead of one. Uh, one team is the, the one that plays uh, finals uh, and the other one is the, 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 the team that plays in the local or, or the first division or what, the, the, the Copa Quite right, National yeah. Cup. I was forgetting, sorry, uh, I should have mentioned at the start that we've had the 20, 2019 or 2020 Supercopa Argentina in the meantime, which I'm sure Andres will now mention it as well. Andres, carry on. Yeah, the, the 2019. Uh, yes, uh, uh, when you watched play River against Racing, it was... Yeah, yeah, River is back. The, the old River is back because the River that plays finals and, and wins clearly uh, and, and they are, are, are like demolish their, their rivals. And then you, you watch them play against Platense and against Argentinos and it's like they don't have the same motivation or, or it's like they don't have the same energy. Uh, and it's something that has, has been happening since Gachardo is in the, in the bench, which is good in, in the part of uh, you talk about the, the, the finals, the continental competitions, and not so good when you uh, you you talk about the the, the local league. Um, and against Argentinos, is, yes, it's, it was a mix between the lack of, of accuracy for River, uh, who had their chances. Like, I think we talk about this uh, several times uh, in the past, uh, having a lot of chances and not being accurate. And then Argentinos... Uh, uh, having a great job there pressing and uh, uh, it's not that they had a lot of opportunities but when River uh, was losing missing chances and not being uh, good at the, at the uh, uh, trying to finish the, 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 the place they, they created 
then you you watched and or you smelled that something like this could happen. Argentinos not losing the, the patience and knowing that if they lost against River was well, it was something you you could predict. But then they 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 made the, the match uh, long and, and not uh, the uh, and resisting the attacks that River created. And then well, in the end, they had their their like like big price. I think that the, the draw would have been good for them. But well, if you can win. Of course, you won't uh, uh, lose the, the opportunity. No, and especially with a goal like that. Um, I, I agree, though. It's the, the big question mark over Gachardo if he, you know, takes another job after um, after leaving River is is still going to be those bread and butter matches. I mean, I've I've spoken many times on this podcast about how he just doesn't seem to care about the league. Presumably, if he were to move to Europe, he'd, he'd have to, and it might. You know, pick up, but you just wonder how much of it is him not caring as much, and how much of it is a conscious decision because it it continues and it carries on going now, in spite of the fact that there's no significant you know continental uh, distraction for River at the moment. Of course, they they will be in the Libertadores group stage, but that's still a few weeks away from starting. Um, yeah. Um, what else? We've not really talked about independiente yet santi do you want to do you want yeah. to yeah yeah actually i think um ever since we last recorded uh, we recorded the last episode which was i think uh after independiente had just uh been really really uninspiring both a defeat against lanus and uh really undeserved to be honest win against patronato um, Falcioni has gone on and tried his best to prove me as entirely wrong as possible with some um, much better, if not flawed, performances against uh, Huracan, uh, Newells, and uh, only yesterday, um, as at the time of recording, Bishamitre uh, in the Copa Argentina, all of which have uh, um, yielded wins by one goal, in which Independiente has dom- had dominated for either one half or another and then just sat back and tried to just soak in pressure and at times even suffered unnecessarily, which I think is uh, probably the main point I think Independiente will have to eradicate as soon as possible, I think, if they want to keep this uh, good run of results going. But... Uh, I mean, I'm going to say this. Every single game has seen some progress made by um, by Independiente. Um, more importantly, uh, people like Fabricio Bustos and Luca Gonzalez are back in the team, which um, really ups the ante, I think, in terms of uh, Independiente's attacking intent. In, in fact, Bustos chimed in with a great, great goal against the uh, Newells, uh, which was uh, the second just before the first half ended. And um, yeah, I think things are looking up for Independiente. I think the next step would be to just incorporate Alan Velasco more um, in the starting lineup. I think he, he was actually really unlucky first with injuries and then with COVID. But uh, once that happens and once Saltita Gonzalez has uh, a longer spell in the starting lineup, lineup as well, um, I think uh, Silvio Romero is going to get much more chances, which is crucial because he's still an elite striker for Argentine football. Um, his numbers are incredible and uh, he's just really, really, really needs uh, players to just 
get him chances and uh, put put him with the ball in front of a goal because he will score them. But uh, yeah, um, keep proving me wrong, Falcioni. And Dan, while we're in Abeshaneda, what have you made? You weren't with us two weeks ago, of course. What have you made generally to the start of the Juan Antonio Pizzi era in the Cilindro? Has it started yet? Um, can't wait <laughs> for it to start. Um, yeah, I don't know. I tried to, you know, keep an open mind over PC, and I'm still trying. You know, all coaches need time to impose their ideas, especially after being with someone like, someone like Becca says, who has a very fixed and kind of opposite idea of how the game should be played than PC. But it's been pretty hard watching so far. Um, you know, a lot of changes in the team, very kind of strange selection decisions and midfield that, that really isn't doing anything. Um, I think one of the the few bright points has been uh, Enzo Corbetti, who, who's looked very... He's just looked a handful, really, um, up front, and he scored the only goal of the game yesterday. Yesterday? on Monday against Central, which I actually managed to miss. I watched the first half, but I had to go to um, t- to play football. So um, I went down and I-, I brought a car over the last couple of weeks. That's a different piece of news. Um, I went to get it from the from where I have it parked, turned the radio on, and suddenly, you know, after watching a dreadful first 45 minutes, Racing has scored, uh, which was nice. Um, so I listened to the rest of the game on the radio going down to... Going down to football, nothing much happened, and and Racing won. I mean, it was a win; it's very welcome, but I, it's, they're not setting the world on fire. And oh no, but they were crap last year as well after after the pandemic. So you can't say you know it's been a huge drop off in form. Um, but there are certain things that are missing from this team, and it's. It's just very hard to to get excited about it. Really, you're kind of like watching the games, waiting for something to happen, but but it's all very stodgy, very very laboured uh, on the way to goal, and and not very pretty to watch at all. Hope for your sake that it gets a bit better, Dan. Let's um, so. We have got a timer counting down now because we're not recording on Tony's Zoom account and. Uh, in an unusual turn of events, it would appear that Zoom are actually going to enforce the time limit on this one. Uh, so we've got about seven minutes left, which is just long enough to point out that as um, Santi and uh, I think it was Andres have both hinted, uh, there have been some Copa Argentina matches taking place as well. This is still, remember, the 2020 Copa Argentina for reasons that you will all be um, more than familiar with wherever you're listening to, uh, wherever you're listening from in the world um, and since the start of March which means since we last recorded of course um, the following results have happened there was a clash of the San Martines uh, San Martin de Tucumán versus San Martin de San Juan and it was the San Juan side who won that one 1-0 uh, Tacheres versus Atletico Rafaela ended 0-0 and Tacheres won the shootout 6-5. Defensa y Justicia beat Estudiantes de Buenos Aires 1-0. Boca Juniors looked like they were going to have a bit of a scare um, against Claypole. Claypole? Claypole? I've never actually heard that 
spoken out loud by an Argentine. Glaipole or Glaipole have been, I've, I've heard both variations. I'm more inclined towards Glaipole, but um, not I'd say Glaipole, Glaipole. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Andres. Not uh, Santi. A middle ground, let's call it, between the, the English and the Spanish ism of the world. Um, Leonel, Leonel Landaburu is the magnificently named scorer of the opening goal in that match, which saw Claypole take a 1-0 lead. Uh, unfortunately, from the neutral point of view, Sebastián Dicha equalised for Boca before half-time and Gonzalo Maroni eventually um, managed to find a winner. Those were Boca's only two shots on target. And Claypole, I didn't actually catch the match, but the um, the reaction seemed to be that Claypole had, had run them pretty close all the way through. Uh, Banfield got a 2-0 win over Wemis who are from, I mean, clearly from somewhere called Güemes, but um, I'm wondering where that is. Santiago del Estero. Oh, okay, thank you. I was assuming it was going to be somewhere in Buenos Aires province or something. Atlético Tucumán beat Comunicaciones 3-0, and Independiente, as Santi has just mentioned, beat Villamitre 1-0. Those last three matches, Banfield, Güemes, Atlético Tucumán, Comunicaciones and Independiente Villa Mitre all happened yesterday on Wednesday. Um, the next matches that are coming up appear to be two uh, round of 32 matches, uh, Deportivo La Ferrer versus San Telmo and Colón versus Argentinos and all uh, top flight clash there and one round of 64 match Racing versus Sportivo Belgrano those are all going to be taking place next Wednesday so we might have some more results for you next time we record um, anything to add gents before we go to a, a half time break because we're going to have to restart with a different meeting for the second half anyway yeah I think uh, Andres Roa is just um, incredibly uh, consistent in just uh tearing down very, very small teams and actually playing in out of the park before just facing a big game and disappearing, which is... I applaud his consistency, to be honest. OK, we're going to call it a half-time break now, then, I think. Um, and we will be back just after this lovely theme music with the second half, during which we will continue to talk about Argentine and South American football, just for a change. You all know the drill by now. Welcome back. Uh, we should probably begin the second half by quickly running through the Copa Libertadores because um, Argentine participation in it has now begun. Uh, the first round of qualifying did not involve any Argentine sides, but I'm going to run through the results anyway because I like saying the names. Uh, Liverpool of Uruguay um, played Universidad Católica del Ecuador and Liverpool, it gives me great pleasure to say, uh, were eliminated. Universidad Católica del Ecuador won 4-2 on aggregate. It was 2-1 to Liverpool in Montevideo and 3-0 to Universidad Católica in the return. Uh, Cesar Universidad, Cesar Vallejo of, I think, Peru, 
played Caracas FC, which is a very easy one. They're Venezuelan. Um, and Caracas won that one. It was 0-0 in the first leg and then 2-0 back in Caracas in the second. And um, one of my favourites, if, if most confusingly named, I'm not really sure why they're called this, uh, clubs uh, in this year's Libertadores, Royal Paris Sion, who I believe are Bolivian, but I might have that wrong. Um, let's just quickly check that. Actually, I probably should have checked it before we started recording, but yes, they are Bolivian. I, my suspicion was correct. Um, lost 4-1 at home to Guarani of Paraguay in the first leg and then got a 1-1 draw back in Paraguay. So Guarani go through there. In round two, which is the round that's currently um, underway, uh, Montevideo Wanderers got a 1-0 win over Bolívar. I don't think any of the second legs of any of these ties have yet been played. In fact, I don't think all of the first legs have yet. Uh, Santos beat Deportivo Lara 2-1. Uni- Unión Española, uh, which Unión Española is that? That's the Chilean Unión Española, got a 1-0 win at home to Independiente del Valle. Universidad Católica del Ecuador, who we just mentioned, lost 1-0 at home to Libertad, the Paraguayan Giants. Universidad de Chile versus San Lorenzo uh, is uh, one of the ties that we're most interested in, of course. That one finished 1-1 just last night in Chile. Caracas lost 2-1 at home to Atletico Junior. And uh, Gremio hosted Ayacucho FC, who are Peruvian. Um, and uh, are probably already through to the next round because they won that one 6-1 in the first leg. The remaining tie there, uh, which is, uh, oh, it's playing, uh, being played at half past nine this evening, is Guarani versus Atletico Nacional of Colombia. Um, we will, of course, keep you up to date, most obviously with, with San Lorenzo versus Universidad de Chile. Um, the return leg of that one is Wednesday next week. Um, so we'll be able to tell you more about it then. Now, This is a chance for us to give our Patreon page a plug. Um, It's going to be having a whole load of content dumped on it any day now uh, because we've got a couple of episodes already uh, in the chamber, so to speak, which I've been quite um, too busy to to upload or too busy to remember to upload for some time now. And we're going to be recording another one right after this podcast to talk in more detail about the thing that I will mention in just a second. So if you want lots of extra content and you want to support your favourite English language Argentine football podcast, then please go over to patreon.com slash handofpod and sign up. And if we're not your favourite English language Argentine football podcast, then please do it anyway. Uh, Why the hell not? Appreciated, indeed. Um, Now, the thing that we're going to go into in more detail when we record just after this episode, when we record Hand of Pod Extra, um, is the fact that the World Cup qualifying doubleheader which was due to be played, was it this weekend or next weekend? It was next weekend, wasn't it? The week of the 20th. Yeah, I think it was in the end of March. I think Argentina was weeks, yeah. played like in the 25th and 29th, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that late. Oh, okay, right. So in that case, in yeah, as Santi says, in just over two weeks' time. Uh, or I guess, yeah, of course, the 25th would be two weeks today, in fact, wouldn't it? Uh, that has now been called off uh, again, as I said beforehand, for reasons that I'm sure everybody listening around the world is aware of. But if you are listening to this in like, five or ten years time or something um there was a pandemic back in the mists of time and we're currently recording in the middle of it um it's not really an entirely surprising situation we won't go into it in more detail but uh yeah just to let you know that that's been that's happened um 
there was some talk about playing it with with only local teams very briefly. I think there was talk about playing um, at least some of the matches in Europe and playing with only the European-based players. Uh, but of course, money talks in the modern world, doesn't it? Um, so yeah, there we are. There could still be a match though. Oh, go on then. What's this? Uh, no, I came out. I was reading on Ole earlier that they're trying to put together a game against Ecuador. I think in Santiago del Estero's shining, snazzy new stadium, which would be a mixture of some of the European European players whose countries are letting them travel, uh, and then the rest local players. And actually, now that you mention it, I just remembered that there will actually be players. Uh, from the under-23 squad that will play um, friendlies in preparation for the um, 2021 Olympics in Tokyo, which actually includes a lot of uh, high-profile players playing in Europe. For example, um, centre-back Lisandro Martinez. Wow. Interesting to see how that works. Um, Anyway, we will talk about that in a bit more detail. Um, On Handapod Extra, so that's one of the things that you've got to look forward to if you sign up. Um, do we have anything else to discuss, gents? Am I forgetting something? I, I could have sworn there was another topic now as well. Uh, you want to do a quick rundown of the women's Libertadores? Is that happening already? I thought that was later in the month. Yeah, it's already kicked off. Yeah, oh, Tony's... Right. Uh, that is why Tony couldn't make it this week then, isn't it? Of course it is, yeah. It would be, yeah. Oh, in fact, it's being played right now, which means I could be watching some live football instead of these idiots talking about stuff, because... <laughs> TNT sports. Are playing against, yeah, they are playing Boca right now. Oh, it's not on TNT Sports. I thought, I thought it was supposed to be showing it. Oh, it's on Deport TV. Okay, what channel is that? 101? You've got Cablo BC on uh, there. 100. 100, thank you. Yes. Now my remote controls decided to now. play silly buggers. <laughs> 100, there we go. Oh, I see. So, Abaia are Kinder Run. My, my live score app is showing them as Kinderman versus Boca Juniors. Um, Fair enough. But anyway, that one's underway. Uh, already having happened in the Libertadores Femenina. Um, oh, we're, of course, we're three rounds in. Um, so let's, in fact, just go through the standings after three matches. That's probably better rather than just listing all of the results. Um, yes. Corinthians have won their all three matches in Group A. Uh, as Tony expected them to, scoring 27 goals and conceding none. Um, they they win Group A, obviously. And America de Cali are in second there uh, with six points. Universitario and El Nacional de Ecuador are the two teams who go out of that one. Uh, this match that's being played at the moment is... Oh, it's in fact, there's another game going on as well at, at the same time, which is Santiago Morning versus Deportivo Tropico, uh, the club who I think I mentioned last time out were one of my favourite team names in this year's competition. Um, at the moment, Santiago Morning are winning their match against Deportivo Tropico and Boca Ooh. and uh, Avai are drawing nil-nil. And as it currently stands, that means that Boca, Avai and Santiago Morning all have five points. Um, Boca currently top the group on goal difference. Avai are currently second on goal difference. And Santiago Morning have two goals to make up to reach Avaí, and then quite a bit more to reach Boca. Um, so Boca probably safe with a draw, but we don't know. And uh, one goal either way could 
could swing it in a very interesting manner, especially if Santiago Morning get one or two more in their own match. Uh, it's currently 40 minutes in, um, Abaye against Boca. In Group C, there have been two games played so far for everybody. Sol de América top the group. River are second, both with four points. Um, blimey, this does not look like a thriller minute, does it? Uh, Sol de América have scored two and conceded one in their two matches. Ribera have scored one and conceded none. Um, it looks like most of the goals there are from the teams who are currently third and fourth, though. Independiente Santa Fe have three points, four goals and one against. And Atletico SC... That was Santa Catarina, perhaps? Don't know. Possibly. Somebody, anyway. It's a shame Tony's not here, isn't it? Um, uh, bottom, having lost both of their matches and conceded six goals and scored one. In Group D, Universidad de Chile are top after two matches. Libertad are second with negative goal difference after two matches, which is quite impressive in a way. It'll be more impressive if it keeps up after three matches, though. Um, Peñarol have one point and Ferroviaria have one point. Oh, uh, Universidad de Chile have six and Libertad have three. Um, so that's the situation for everybody at the moment. River, obviously this is the last uh, group game for, for Boca and then River play tomorrow, Friday at half past seven against Atletico SC, whatever that stands for, as we say, uh, with Sol de America playing Independiente Santa Fe. So, obviously, next time uh, we meet, Tony will hopefully be involved and will be able to give us a proper lowdown. But, Dan, have you been paying any any more attention than I have, having not realised it was happening yet? Uh, the fact that it was on is, sadly, the limit of my knowledge. Uh-huh. Well, thank you for pointing it out, anyway, because it at least allowed us to, um, to, to say that, even though we couldn't come up with anything else. Um, is there anything else to add, gents, before we go to Lister's questions? I don't think so. Right. Have you mentioned Copa Argentina yet? Say that again. No, you did, you did, you did, yeah, you did, you did. Oh, Copa nothing. Argentina, yeah, just before the break, yeah. Uh, I've just realised, by the way, that um, Andres dropped out. He did send me a WhatsApp saying that his um, his power had cut out and it's now come yeah. back, but he's not rejoined us yet, which is a pity. Maybe you can get back for the Patreon, the extra. Yes, hopefully you can. Um now then, let's see. Questions. List is questions. Uh, oh, we've got some comments. I, I, as you will probably have guessed if you follow me on Twitter or follow Hunter Pod on Twitter or both, uh, I don't really go on my football Twitter anymore. Um, so apologies if I'm only just reading these now and you sent them absolutely ages ago. Um, Janet Hopper says, I can't believe I've taken so long to find Hunter Pod. Brilliant. Three and a half years ago, I was in Argentina, two months in Bicha Jardine, certainly Buenos Aires followed by a month in La Cortada in Santa Fe. Fell for the story of San Lorenzo, so they became my team. Well, welcome to the podcast, Janet. It's always a pleasure to have a new listener. Um, and we're glad that you enjoy us. And sorry for taking so long to give you a shout out. Um, 1872 Jers, a Rangers fan, says, just created myself a list for Argentine football. First three attempts wouldn't show tweets after March the second, so I had to keep remaking it. If you've got a few notifications, that's why. Oh, okay. Thank you for letting us know. I thought you were recommending us, but... Uh, just letting us know. <laughs> Very kind, anyway. Andres is back with us, by the way. Welcome back, Andres. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, Frank says, how is Matias Saracho travelling in Brazil and has moving abroad hurt his chances of playing for La Albi Celeste 
Also, do you think he could make a successful move to Europe or will he be lured by a move north to the MLS? Dan, I imagine you've been following Mr. Saracho's uh, career with great interest since he left Racing. Oh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, no, from what I've seen, he's only been really a bit player for uh, for Atletico, who finished third in, um, in Serie A this, well, last year technically, this year literally, because the season was... Uh, was delayed until I think the start of February, the last games. Um, it was a shame. I mean, he, he left Racing, of course, as, um, as an undisputed pick. He was looking very good. Um, obviously, Sam Pauli from his days of, uh, of going to watch games as Argentina boss to, uh, to Racing, he would have seen a lot of them. So I'm guessing he came very highly recommended there. Now Sam Pauli's left. We'll have to see what the what the new coach, whoever he is, has in mind for Zaraccio. Um, the talent's there. He's very athletic, very good on the ball. I think, you know, the one Achilles heel that always stood out for me uh, from his time at Racing was that he's a guy who got in the box a lot, but didn't always have the finish to match it. Uh, he's going to have to work on that. Um, I, I can't see him close to the Argentina sale right now. In fact, I believe he's um, he's been included in this under-23 squad, which will play play friendlies this month rather than, uh, rather than the full squad. Sorry, my kid's just come in on his toy car and he's making all sorts of noise. Hello, hello. Um, yeah, so he's a long way from the Argentina squad, but we'll have to see if he gets more games for Atletico this year, in which case he could go up a rank. In terms of Europe or the MLS, or MLS, not the MLS, um, I've made that mistake myself a few yeah. times and well not appreciated. Um, six of one, half a dozen of the others. I mean, he's going to be on the radar for a few MLS teams, I'd imagine. And if he pushes on now, he he might be in line for for a mid mid level European club, but. It all depends on what happens this year, I think. He's only been at Atletico really about six months, so it's probably too it's probably premature to be projecting a another move right now. Thanks, Dan. Uh Shane Hurley says, from what you've seen so far, who are the must-watch side and must-watch individual in the league and why? Uh well, there's no league going on at the moment, it's the copper. Um, but as we said at the beginning, um, Estudiantes have done well, but probably not necessarily must watch if you want to see beautiful, pretty football. But Colón have to be. Um, and as we the reason, Pulga, period. Yeah, I mean, that's always a good reason, even when the rest of the team aren't playing that well. Um, but he's now he's, he's spearheading a, a very together a very well-organised and balanced side who fits in great form. Um, and therefore, you know, the individual, again, Luis Rodriguez is always a good one to watch, isn't he? But can we think of any other slightly more original names? Uh, was, we did mention, we did mention young Mr. Galopo two weeks ago, didn't we, at Banfield? Yeah. Uh, Alexi, Alexi Castro also was also mentioned by Dan earlier in this episode. Oh, yeah. He was. And Andres, um, who were you trying to say? Yes, I, I was going to say the one that uh, you guys just already said, uh, Juliano Galopo. Great oh, okay, name great. And, and great player also. 
Mm. Oh, and also uh, Alan Velasco, who's um, every time he stepped on the, in the Peñete pitch, he seems to have um, gifted us with some brilliant skill. For example, his nutmeg against, uh, I think it was Marcelo Weigand from Huracán. Yeah. I will say Cardona also. Sorry, but I had to, I had to say it. Are you not going to come up with anybody from River, Andres? Matias Suarez. Yeah, he, he has been playing well, actually, yeah. Palavecino um, well, actually had a pretty decent start to his real career, hasn't he? Yes, first two matches and the last one against Argentinos, he didn't jump very well. But I have to, we had to give him also time, like any other uh, signings. I think he could do with working on his shooting a bit. Yes. He, he, he seems to get into some quite good positions and then just shank it into the stands. Um, but yeah, I'd agree that there's something I like about him from what I've seen so far. Um, Jamie says, any thoughts on El Mono Burgos potentially becoming the new manager of Newell's? Will he be a roaring success or another case of an assistant struggling with the step up to head coach? Dan, I'm sure you must have some thoughts on this. I'm going to cover my bases and just say, yes, it could be one of those two possibilities. <laughs> it would be an interesting, um, interesting move to knows? make, though, wouldn't it, from Atletico to... He's been away from Atletico for a while now. He stepped down, I think, at the end of the 2019-2020 season. Oh, of course he did. Yeah, I think, I think we mentioned it very briefly, didn't we? I yes. forgot about that. I mean, yours, it's an interesting first step. I mean fairly demanding and and, and they've been pretty meh for, for quite a long time. They've been terrible so far in uh, in 2021. Uh, it'll be interesting. I'll definitely pay a bit more attention to news if if it happens. That's probably in as much as I could as I could say in his favour. <laughs> uh, Tom Robinson says, does the AFA need to invent a new card in order to sufficiently punish Diego Bragieri's assaults against humanity? Isn't the black card a thing? I don't think so. <laughs> I've, I have not heard of that one, I'm afraid. Just suspend him, suspend him until he learns it's not okay to stand on people's legs really hard. It's not a bad idea. At least not do so bloody Ronaldinho, please. Mm. Uh, Chris Hartley, what has been the key to the start by Colón this season with them winning four from four? Also, random fact, as part of my shirt collection, I have a Colón shirt. I think the key has been kind of finding the balance. I mean, they they did, you know, well in the second half of 2019. Remember, they they reached the Copa Sudamericana final. Um, and seemed to be struggling to keep up the same kind of form domestically. Um, and then it, obviously 2020 was a bit of a write-off for everybody, but when we did eventually start playing football at, at the end of, of the year, they seemed to be stuck in a little bit of a, a funk and, and maybe struggling to get over the disappointment of that previous year's Sudamericana final. Um, and now they've, they've found a, a, a balance between the two and just as I say they, they look very well organised and they've got that little bit of pool game magic um, that can be sprinkled across when they need it I don't know what anyone yeah. else they've got a good coach as well um, Eduardo Dominguez is, has been solid I think through uh, throughout his coaching career today uh, he had a 
decent run with Huracan, I remember. Um, he did all right with Cologne uh, the first time around. Um, you know, there are a lot worse coaches in going around uh, Argentina and Cologne, I think, have had most of them. So if they sit with Dominguez, uh, I think they can, they can do all right. Hmm. Uh, and perfect Tommy with the last question of the evening. Why do players suck their thumbs during a goal celebration these days? Are we about to see a wave of COVID kids named Diego? I mean, I guess pandemic, you're not going out, you weren't going out to train, you weren't playing matches, like you had to keep your fitness up somehow. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but maybe, yeah, there's going to be um, a footballer baby boom and in 20 years or so, we'll see... We'll see them all burst onto the scene, all these familiar surnames. Uh, watch this face. Indeed, yeah. Um, no questions this week from Liam Kelly, who's no relation to me. That's interesting. I hope you're all right, Liam, if you're listening to this. Very unusual. Uh, anyway, those Nothing are all... Darren Eva, like, I'm very shocked. No, no. Uh, do stay safe and stay healthy if you're, if you're listening. Let us know you're still alive. Um, I think that I will now play a bit of Mystic Sam theme music um, and we will come back with some Mystic Sam predictions for the uh, Copa de la Liga Profesional weekend that's about to begin. Okay, here we go. We begin with what, at the beginning of the season, I would have looked at this fixture and gone, meh. Um, but given some of the things that we've been saying and some of the results that we've been looking at uh, today, uh, it looks like it actually might turn out to be quite an interesting match. Aldo Sibi versus Central Córdoba. Um, I'm going to go for Aldo Sibi to win that one. Huracan against Lanús, I think will be a Lanús win. Uh, on, oh, this one's also on Friday night. Union at home to Gimnasia. I think Union will get the win there. And then on Saturday, Platense host Racing. I think that Racing will win that. Tacheres against Beles. Uh, I'm going to go for Beles there. Defensa y Justicia versus Newells. I'll go for a draw just because. Argentinos versus Godoy Cruz. I think should be an Argentinos win. Um, Estudiantes versus Colón. Ooh, I didn't realise that was coming up this weekend after some of the talk we've been giving them. I'm going to go for Colón to continue their perfect start, um, but that could be the irresistible force coming up against the immovable object. It could be a fascinating match. Um, yeah, actually, when you when you thought and when you spoke about this game, that we might say it's meh at the beginning, but now it's really interesting. I think you were talking. I thought you were talking about Estudiantes. But it can also be applicable to the CV. Yeah. At 6pm on Sunday, the match, I just realised this was what we needed to talk about in the second half of the podcast. So we will do a short (laughs) preview of it. Uh, Boca Juniors versus River Plate. How did I manage to forget that? Um, I'm going to go for a River win, but I think it's going to be very narrow indeed in the Bombonera. Banfield versus San Lorenzo, I think will be a Banfield victory. Rosario Central versus Arsenal. Uh, I'll go for Central to win that. I'm not predicting many draws, am I? Oh, God. Atletico Tucumán versus Patronato. I'll go for a draw there. And Independiente versus Sarmiento. I think Independiente can pip that one 
uh, by a goal, perhaps. Um, obviously, then, the highlight of the weekend for at least many international listeners uh, is going to be, indeed, Estudiantes versus Colón. So what do we all think of, uh, of Boca River, gents? Is this going to be the second Super Classico in, what, a month and a half? Because we had the first one, of course, on the 3rd of January. Um, yeah, just over two months. Of, of the year, of course. It's, it's in two different competitions. Cause there could the... be another one in, in a couple of months uh, for Copa Argentina. Mm. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, they're on the same. Uh, I love uh, the smell of overcrowded Super Classicos in the morning. <laughs> so, uh, this Sunday, then, We've got Boca coming into it on the back of that 7-1 win um, over Belles. And I'm just trying to remind myself of their form in all competitions. Of course, they had the 2-1 win over Claypole in the Copa Argentina that we mentioned. Uh, and prior to that, there was a draw against Sarmiento in the Bombonera. Boca's form in the Bombonera, actually, um, since the start of this Copa, has not been particularly good. They've been held 2-2 by Gimnasia um, in that match that we mentioned in the, I think the previous episode that Gimnasia was slightly unfortunate perhaps not to hang on for the win. Um, and they have drawn 1-1 with San Miento. All of their wins, they have won three times already this season if we include the Copa Argentina and if we start the season at the start of the current Copa de la Liga. Um, but all of them have been away from home. Uh, or, well, or on neutral territory, of course, in the case of the Copa Argentina. So it's going to be interesting to see from that point of view. Um, and Riber have just lost also at home to Argentinos um, thrashed Andres actually mentioned the Supercopa um, thrashing with apologies to, to Dan for bringing it up again but I just realised we didn't actually mention the scoreline uh, it was 5-0 to River um, they beat Platense, they beat Central at home they lost away to Estudiantes uh, and they beat Defensores de Pronunciamiento uh, in February in the Copa Argentina. Um, it's, as you say, Andres already has, has, has mentioned that, that they're a team who are sort of set up and geared towards finals and you suspect that they're going to be taking this as a final rather than as a bread and butter league match, don't you? Yes. Um, it's, it's kind of tricky, this game, because uh, uh, both teams have been showing not a very regular performance. Uh, Boca have won against Claypool uh, 2-1 with not being very very good and against uh, Sarmiento the same and then they score 7 against Vélez and, and River uh, is like similar way uh, not scoring a lot of goals in, indeed uh, but it's really difficult to predict uh, uh, I, I don't really know uh, what can happen there uh, of course I, I would like to agree with you in, the, in your mystic sum prediction, I think it will be a draw uh, because uh, they will, uh, like like we say every every time that Boca and River play uh, uh, each other, uh, it doesn't mind or it doesn't uh, care. They don't. It's not very important how they have been playing uh, before the match because it's a match, like you say, final or a, a match. It's a part. In fact, it's the 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 the. Uh, they don't play in the same zone in the in the in the Copa, so it's like the classico of the of the uh, of the Copa, and, and uh, they will take it as a final. And I don't think they will play brilliantly, uh, but uh, I, I expected a draw there. Mm. 
Dan, Santi, any thoughts? Yeah, I actually remember um, reading a tweet from a, a prominent Boca fan on Twitter um, who just before, um, I think, uh, Argentinos' game against River, he tweeted something like uh, that after Boca's 7-1 uh, thrashing of Vélez, he, he was predicting that Argentinos would get a win against River and then the Boca fans would get really, really excited for that game and just being really hyped and uh, generally believing they could um, beat River, even, I don't know, scoring a ton of goals against them, only to River eventually beat, beating them. And I think that, it's, that it is exactly what is going to happen because, I mean, I think um, the game against Argentinos is kind of like the wake-up call River always gets, I think, before this kind of important games and then when the questions begin to rise that stupid question that is just repeated every single week every single day of the week about who watch which team uh, is better uh, ahead of the ahead of the derby and uh, I think considering that uh, I think River is for me uh, the favorite to take this one yeah, I'll be interested to see what shirts Boca wear as well, because um, one of the more important topics that we often discuss on our WhatsApp group uh, is when teams wear funny commemorative shirts and whether we like them or not. And um, Boca have one that they first wore back in January for I can't remember which match, um, which was in commemoration of the one of the anniversaries of one of their Intercontinental Cup wins, um, and which had a very nice little sort of Japanese... Um, uh, some kanji on it in in blue on blue, so you couldn't really see it unless it was unless the light hit it at a certain angle. But crucially, without the gold band on their um, shirt, so it didn't actually look like a Boca shirt at all. Um, which is an interesting way of commemorating a famous win, and it's not as if they'd worn an all blue shirt in that match either. Um, and they wore it again against Vélez just just last weekend, I noticed. Um, so I'll be interested to see whether they decide to when they decide it's their lucky shirt and, and therefore we get what could be in, in terms of, you know, just classic, nice looking shirts, one of the worst super classicals ever, because you can't have Boca going out and looking looking like they're not Boca uh, in terms of the uniform, can you? Anyway, that's my little Actually, diatribe think, out of the way. Uh, I think that if there is still something that we are uh, clinging on, uh, it is traditions in terms of like shirts worn during derbies. At the very least, I remember like Racing um, in some derbies against Independiente where went uh, some four or five games, if I'm not mistaken, wearing uh, all blue instead of their white and blue traditional shirt, uh, shirt colors, which gained some mockery from Independiente fans because of their refusal to wear their home colors against the against Independiente Clásicos if they weren't lucky or something. But uh, I generally do not remember uh, Boca River without Boca wearing their traditional colors and River doing so as well. So even if River have just uh, announced their new uh, tricolor shirt as they do almost every three or five years, uh, I don't think the Super Classico is going to be the, the game that we'll see them wearing it because, I mean, there's just way too much uh, tradition involved and... Uh, fans are not going to like it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it has to be said as well that when you're actually there, it, it is sort of one of the moments where you realise you're attending your first Super Classico is, is when, they, when they walk out and those shirts, just the two sets of shirts under the, under the floodlights can pop. Just it, it looks 
absolutely fantastic. Um, so yeah, here's hoping that Boca decide not to wear their lucky commemorative shirt, which has the quite severe flaw of not being a Boca shirt um, for that match. Um, anyway, we've got a countdown again, so we've got six minutes left, but I think that if we don't have anything else to discuss, we can call that that for this week, gents, and then go and uh, start to record Hand of Pod Extra. So once again, listeners, if you want to uh, take advantage of Hand of Pod Extra, you should get over to patreon.com slash handofpod and sign up there. Uh, if you are already contributing, then thank you very much. If you're not, then thank you anyway. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for supporting us with your ears for another week. Uh, we will be back possibly next week, possibly the week after, but certainly uh, sometime before too much longer. Uh, for now, thanks for joining us and goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. From English Dan. Goodbye. From Santi. Bye, guys. And from me, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>